0: Welcome to the Podiobooks.com presentation of Murder at Avadon Hill. My name is PG Holyfield. Aramis left Constable Lewis and made his way to the kitchens. He spoke to Chef Roland, who reaffirmed that he believed Blake Weathertop might have something to do with Greta's murder. Of course, Roland had no evidence, just a feeling. Lee Nallon, Chef Roland's son, spoke up next, saying he remembered something that had happened a few months before between Greta and Herr Jar, the blacksmith. Lee had been walking home one night and saw Herr Jar arguing with the housemistress. He even witnessed Herr Jar raise his arms in the air and let out a howl of some sort, turn and walk away. Did you ever speak to Greta about it? Lee shook his head.
1: She saw me standing there. She told me not to worry about it.
0: Lee appeared to be remembering more about the incident as he spoke.
1: The funny thing about it, Sir Aramis, was that I was more scared than she seemed to be. I was shaking just from seeing Harajar act that way. All she did was smile at me and say everything was going to be fine.
0: What was the argument about?
1: I'm not certain. I heard something about a delivery, but I missed most of it. And once Harajar raised his arms above his head, I wasn't really listening to what was being said.
0: Thanks, Lee. Keep thinking about anything like that. It all helps even if you do not think it is very important. Aramis gave the boy a wink. Lee smiled. Yes, sir. Other members of the household were not as helpful. No one remembered anything that Aramis could use. On his way back to the front of the manor, Aramis walked through the grand hall. Also entering the hall through a different entrance was a young lady Aramis had not met. Aramis approached her even though he knew she had to be one of the daughters of Lord Avedon. Aramis wasn't the best judge of age when it came to children, having not worked with kids since his days as a moronic advisor for King Renoir Pertie. But seventeen and thirteen were far enough apart that he was relatively sure the young lady before him was Lord Avedon's older daughter, Karen. Karen had a mischievous grin on her face.
2: Sir Aramis...
0: She curtsied. The dress she wore was informal, a woolen kirtle made for movement and daily activities.
2: Are you sure you should be speaking to me?
0: Aramis heard no malice in her voice. With his hand tucked inside the sleeves of his robe, he bowed deeply. You must be Karen, Avedon. I should have nothing to fear, as long as you do not plan on running to your father with claims of abuse on my part. His tone turned her grin into a large, infectious smile.
2: Oh, good. I was hoping you wouldn't be afraid to speak to me. Come over here.
0: Karen Avedon grabbed Aramis by the sleeve and dragged him over to the octagonal table in the center of the grand hall. He allowed himself to be pulled by the teenager until they were both sitting at the table, facing each other. Kieran had her hands in her lap and the look on her face made her look like she was ready to share some gossip with another schoolgirl.
2: So what do you want to know, Sir Aramis?
0: Aramis squinted in thought. Well, Karen, I really do not have anything specific to ask you. Unless, of course, you have something you wish to talk to me about.
2: I heard from Brianna what you have been asking, about anyone that might have disliked Greta. Yes. You don't think it was a vampire?
0: I do not know. Someone took her body, so I cannot look at it to see. Karen's eyes widened, apparently interested in the talk of vampires.
2: Couldn't that mean that she is now a vampire too? That she just...
0: She paused, searching for the right word.
2: Awakened and escaped her tomb?
0: That is a possibility, but but let me ask you this. What are the chances that a vampire... Could have gotten access to the manor courtyard, killed Greta Platt, and escaped unnoticed. Karen paused, mulling over Aramis's question in her mind.
2: Can vampires climb walls? If they can, they could have made it into the courtyard without walking into the manor at all.
0: Aramis recalled the vampires he and Father Joris had faced the night before. While they certainly possessed the ability to scale the walls of Avidon Manor. A creature such as that could never have pulled off such a planned attack. But a vampire master. Aramis had never encountered such a creature, but he believed the claims and the lore. Too many people he trusted had told him stories of vampire masters. But even so, it did not remove the need to find out why Greta had been murdered. Aramis believed that motive would lead him to the murderer. Not a search for a vampire that might not even exist. Aramis nodded. Again, it is possible a vampire master is supposed to possess great strength and can pass as human. So it is possible that a vampire had access to the manor. Karen Avedon's face lost some of its color.
2: I just wanted to tell you about something I saw about Talik
0: Bor. At that moment, two guards entered the grand hall and moved to each side of the entry door. They held pikes and stood at attention as Lord Avedon walked through after them. Upon seeing Aramis Cragen sitting at the table speaking to his daughter, Lord Avedon's face began contorting and turned a bright red. Karen sprung out of her chair and practically ran to her father.
2: Don't be angry, father.
0: Lord Avedon pushed his way past his daughter and walked to the table. Aramis didn't move, unwilling to provoke Lord Avedon further. It didn't matter. Lord Avedon slammed his fist on the table and yelled at the monk, How dare you speak to my daughter!
3: And after I expressly told you not to bother my children again!
0: Aramis again did not respond, understanding his only hope rested with Lord Avedon's daughter, Karen. She did not disappoint.
2: Father, it was I who kidnapped Sir Aramis. I wanted desperately to talk to him about Greta. He's going to find out who did this. I know it.
0: She began caressing one of her father's cheeks in an attempt to divert his attention from the monk.
2: He's going to help us. Please, Father.
0: Aramis studied Karen out of the corner of his eyes. The tone of Karen's voice told Aramis she was speaking the truth. But there was much more behind her words. And unfortunately... Aramis knew the opportunity to probe further would not present itself any time soon. It took a moment, but Lord Avedon let go of his anger once he realized that Aramis had not accosted his daughter, Sir Aramis. If you are done with Greta's office, I suggest you continue your investigation with the townspeople of Avedon Hill. Aramis and used his legs to rise from the chair, without removing his hands from his sleeves. He bowed to the two members of the Avedon family. By your leave, Lord Avedon. He turned and exited the Grand Hall. As he did so, Aramis noticed Blake Weathertop staring at him from the balcony. As Aramis had hoped, Blake caught up to him before he reached the front of the manor.
1: So close! I so hope I can be present when next you incur Lord Avedon's wrath. By the way, thank you for telling
0: Lord Avedon I was speaking to his daughter. Blake was surprised, but shrugged it off.
1: Glad to oblige. I will be keeping an eye on you, Sir Monk. You will do nothing to threaten this family or my relationship with Lord Avedon.
0: Aramis refused to respond to the butler's threat. I need you to answer a question for me about Greta. I am sure you will follow Lord Avedon's instructions and help me in this matter. Blake did not respond, simply waiting for Aramis's question. Before Greta was murdered, you had the occasion to prevent Talibor Bor from reaching Greta. You even had to forcibly remove him from the manor. Blake nodded, more than willing to speak ill of another townsperson.
1: Talek boy, is a buffoon. If I was Lord Avedon, I would have thrown him out of town years ago.
0: What exactly happened?
1: Lord Avedon finally tired of the innkeeper's outrageous plans. For years, he had the housemistress act as a go-between. But eventually, Talek tired of the runaround. On one occasion, he nearly became violent when Greta refused to take some idea to Lord Avedon. Following that, Greta gave orders to deny Talik entry into the manor.
0: It must have been difficult for Talek to deal with that, being from one of the oldest families of Avedon Hill. The smirk on Blake's face was unmistakable.
1: Family lineage. You would think some of the people here had royal blood running through their veins. The Boars, the Hemmings. Lord Avedon has more loyalty to these people than they deserve.
0: Aramis stood and stared. And Blake's smirk melted away as if he finally realized, for the first time, that he had said too much.
1: Anyway, the, the last time Talik Bor came to the manor, I told him he was not welcome without an appointment, and that I could take a note to Greta for him requesting an audience with Lord Avedon. He became enraged and demanded entry, stating he had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that Lord Avedon could not pass up.
0: You and John Avedon had to remove him physically.
1: Yes, I had him nearly out the door, but John came along and made sure Talek left without causing any more problems.
0: Aramis bowed his head slightly. Thank you very much, Blake. See, that was not difficult, now was it? Blake's smirk returned as Aramis let himself out of Avedon Manor. While Aramis was still searching through Greta's office, Aaron found himself alone at the inn. After eating a midday meal, the prince found he could not wait any longer. The information he had gleaned from Cletus's ledger was calling to him. Aramis would be pleased to hear what he had deduced on his own. But what if I got a confession from the man himself? It was an opportunity Aaron couldn't pass up. Aaron left the inn and walked to the bakery. When he opened the door of the bakery, the same bell that had rung the day before announced his arrival. Thankfully, Hemming was the only person behind the counter. The baker began rubbing his hands together in anticipation of sharing his family's expertise once again with visitors to have hill Ah, the young student. Aaron, is it? Aaron nodded. Are you running the bakery alone today, Hemming?
3: Dally and my daughter are delivering orders this morning. They make the rounds every day around this time.
0: Well, oh, that makes this a little easier. Aaron approached the counter and took a good look at the baker. Though balding slightly, Hemming was a sturdy-looking man, slightly shorter than Aaron, but wider in the shoulders by nearly four hands. Hemming, I have a question for you.
3: Ah, is this business, young Aaron?
0: I'm afraid so. First, though, I, I have to ask... You do not have the stomach of any baker I have ever known. Don't you sample your own confections. Hemming smiled at the comment and question. He patted himself hard on his tight stomach.
3: Ah, this. I guess it comes from never sitting down. I work very hard, and even though I sample most of what I bake each day, I've been lucky. And remember, generations of my family worked in the mines owned by Lord Avedon's ancestors. I guess it's like comparing draft horses to racers. The hard work of my ancestors can still be seen in me, even though I have never had to lift a pickaxe or push a cart of rocks out of a mine.
0: Aaron knew his next question wouldn't elicit the same smile. Hemming, I need to ask you about Greta. The baker began wiping the counter.
3: What about her? Have you found her body yet?
0: No, no, we have not. Right now, we are trying to piece together what we can about Greta's life, her, her work, and, and her personal life. Hemming stopped his hand and stared at Aaron.
3: So, what do you need to know?
0: Greta hid it well, but she was having a relationship with someone that met her outside of town. Picnics, that sort of thing. Hemming's brow wrinkled slightly as Aaron spoke.
3: You don't say. Picnics are a dangerous activity
0: now, I take it? No, no, of course not. It's just that she hid these excursions from everyone, like she was ashamed of them or something. A vein appeared in the center of Hemming's forehead. Aaron also noticed that Hemming was clenching a fist, hard enough that Aaron felt sorry for the rag in the baker's hand. And what does this have to do with me? Well, I didn't say it had anything to do with you. But now that you ask... You know Cletus keeps a pretty good log of entry and exits through the town gate, right?
3: I don't think I ever
0: noticed. Aaron nodded. It's easy to miss things with Cletus, but he keeps good records. And? I just found it interesting. At least six or seven days a month, Greta spent Sykes relaxing in the forest outside of town. And on many of those same days, you traveled outside of town as well. Hemming was controlled, but still defensive.
3: I don't recall ever leaving or entering the town gates with Greta Platt.
0: Oh, no, that's that's true. Aaron paused in reflection. Do you always go to the same destination for supplies?
3: Yes, I do. I have an account with a distributor in Elyon. I buy supplies from him in bulk, and he sells many of my longer-lasting confections in his bakeries in that district.
0: Another piece fell into place for Aaron. That confirms what I thought. On days where you and Greta were both outside of town, it consistently took you two psychs longer to make your round trip. There was a long, uncomfortable pause as Hemming thought about Aaron's words.
3: So? Some trips take longer than others. More supplies. Longer visits with shop owners in Elyon. There are many reasons for the extended lengths of my trips, other than secret lunches with Lord Avedon's housemistress.
0: There is more, sir. For almost two years, before and after Greta began her work as housemistress, she seemed to have a constant companion during her free time, your daughter, Jilly.
3: Jilly and Greta were very close for years.
0: Then, one day, she stopped spending time with your daughter.
3: Jilly began working more, and I'm guessing here, but Greta seemed to lose touch with all the townspeople as her work for Lord Avedon took up more and more of her time. Nobody blamed Greta for that, least of all my Jilly.
0: All true, but it is the timing of this that offers up a different explanation. You see, there wasn't a gradual drop-off, as you have described. After months and months of Jilly and Greta taking afternoon excursions outside of town... Around five months ago, Jilly's name stopped appearing on Cletus's ledger. Coincidentally, it was at the same time that your exit and entry times on the ledger increased.
3: I already explained that.
0: And during that same period, your three trips a month to Elyon turned into six or seven. One month you traveled, I assume, to Elyon ten times, was it? At that moment, Dally and Jilly Hemming walked through the door from the kitchen. Hemming jumped in surprise. They had not heard the ladies enter through the back door of the bakery.
2: Elion, Elion, always your trips to Elion. One good thing about Lord Avedon shutting down our fair town is that you have not left me for your lover in Elion.
3: Dally What are you
0: talking about?
2: Your lover, Henri, of course.
0: Dally patted Hemming on the arm and looked at Aaron.
2: Henri owns a bakery in Elion. I think Hemming would have left me for Henri if he would only give up his recipe for brandywine torts.
0: Dally laughed and looked at Hemming, who was still red-faced.
2: Are you well, you big oaf? At this point, Jilly can make deliveries by herself. I apparently need to stay here with
0: you. Jilly was smiling at her parents, giddy at the interplay between them.
2: Actually, Mama, Da hasn't traveled to Elion much in the last month or so, right, Da?
3: Hemming nodded. Yes, pumpkin. The season is turning. I won't have to travel to Helion much until next spring.
0: Jilly Hemming was lithe of body and full of spirit, with her mother's hair and her father's eyes. Aaron could see immediately why Shane Olivet had become smitten with the girl. She looked at Aaron once and smiled, and then turned and walked into the kitchen. Dolly followed, shouting orders to her daughter about what she needed to do next. Hemming turned back on Aaron.
3: You have nothing. You can speak to my friends and business partners in Elyon. They will confirm I have spent more time there because of my work. And you leave my family alone.
0: The baker shook a finger in Aaron's direction. Of of course sir. I will leave you to your work. Good day to you and your family. Aaron left the bakery and headed back to the inn. been listening to Murder at Avedon Hill, a podcast novel written and produced by P.G. Holyfield. Please visit pgholyfield.com for more information on this novel and the author. Most of the music in this podcast generously provided by Shira Common through Magnatune.com. Magnatune.com, they are not evil. Additional music generously provided by Kevin McLeod through his website at incompetech.com. Com. Be sure to check out Murder at Avadon Hill at Podiobooks.com. And if you are so inclined, please post a review at iTunes, at Podcast Pickle, or at Podiobooks.com. Audio comments about the podcast can be left on the Cairn Line at 704 315 5884. Or go to pgholyfield.com and click on the Call Me button to leave comments. This podcast is copyright 2007-2008 by P.G. Holyfield and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 U.S. License.